Truck Stops, a Pac-12, a Woke 12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Woke break. And woke Greg, woke banana, woke woke nanomorphs, <laughs> woke nanomorphs. That's right. You know, um, it's a shame that all of us were too woke. We infected the conference and we killed it <laughs> with our wokeness. Obviously, we're referencing a very funny tweet from a man who did not mean to be funny. Uh, this is from. Should I say his at? No, I'm not gonna say his at. People can find it. Uh, it's Twitter users. Oklahoma State fan tweeted, not to get political or anything, but it's interesting how the woke Pac-12 and the ACC, who has a committee for racial and social justice, in quotes, are the two power conferences that are going to die. Almost like they should have focused on the sports and TV deal and not social justice. <laughs> social justice in in quotes. <laughs> it's almost oh, like oh man, yeah, his ass, his ass is getting beat in the quote tweets. <laughs> the most successful conference for women's sports or something. That's crazy. <laughs> My God, so silly. Um, yeah, now he's and now uh, this man is um, backtracking really, really hard, backpedaling <laughs> so really hard is. in the replies, so hard. I never said it was negative. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, very funny stuff. Anyway, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, but first, as always. Uh, for the four of you who are tuning in live, not to hurt our own brand, uh, <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube channel, like this video. Uh, we really would appreciate it. We're trying to boost and juice our numbers for the season ends. March Madness will be here soon enough, so uh, let's get those subscriber numbers up. We would really love that and appreciate it. As always, podcast listeners, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's been a while. I think podcast reviews are kind of down all over the board. I've been hearing a bunch of podcasts. Are, uh, Where are you hearing at, that from? At a, at, a, at a drought. The industry is in a drought for five-star reviews. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we got to do something inflammatory so we can get some one. I, I, even seeing some one-star reviews would be great. Like, just You're for people sick who man. fucking hate us. <laughs> I feel like sick, we'll sick definitely man. get there when we start talking about the Big 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be. Well. I won't be on that show, but I'll be tweeting about the Big 12, so maybe, yeah, that, maybe that'll be Yeah, that's usually it. where it comes from. Mm, yeah, Twitter. that's true. That's true. <laughs> a shout out to the homie KB Thiel in uh, in the chat who says going to leave a five-star review on all platforms. Thank you very much for that. Legend. Um, and on Patreon, we've got Pac-12 football content there. We talked about the Chip Kelly uh, firing and the Deshaun Foster hiring on last week's bonus episode. So go check that out when you get the chance. And this week, Monday or Tuesday morning, uh, we will be dropping our part two of the Pac-12 Hall of Fame induction. We had a two-part series. We're inducting 12 players from the Pac-12 era 2011 to 2023. We've already inducted seven players like Christian McCaffrey, Marcus Mariota, Scooby Wright, Marquise Lee, Panay Sewell, a bunch of others, uh, and we talked about several others. The rules are, for those who are not familiar, uh, is that we each are going to bring a couple of names, nominate a couple of names, and we all, by consensus, have to agree on the player. We cannot uh, just vote them in by majority. We all have to agree. So... Uh, it was fun last time. Come join us for a trip down memory lane, but also just to induct some very, very, very good uh, Pac-12 players over the years. All right, let's uh, let's get into it here. We got a lot of basketball to talk about. Let's start uh, with some women's basketball. Some they they had some electric games on Friday. Oregon State beat UCLA uh, in a thrilling matchup. Um, I don't have the scores pulled up. 
<laughs> Does anyone have the score off the top of their head? 77 to 79. 77 to 79. This game was electric uh, mm-hmm. back and forth all game long. I think maybe I got to go back and look at the detail box score. Um, but I think the largest lead may have been like seven uh, that UCLA had uh, sort of late. That but it was back right. and forth all game. Um, an absolutely uh, incredible basketball game. And then that earlier that evening, Colorado loses to Utah on a game winner on that end, 77 to 76 in Salt Lake City. They dropped their second straight. That game, uh, maybe a, a little, I think a little less competitive, but no less fun, especially at the end. Um, I think Utah was in control of that one for a while. Colorado um, battled back in the second half and uh, eventually took a lead until I think it was, God, does anyone remember who, who made the shot? Was it? Uh, it was Young. It was a da- da- oh, Dacia Young. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was electric. She, yeah, it was not. Yeah, not even a starter. Like Dacia Young. I'm not sure how many yeah. minutes she's been getting this year. Um but she I, comes I think everyone ex- expecting that ball to go to Alyssa Peely. Like, I do. That, yeah. That's what we were doing at my house. We we're like, Where, where's Alyssa? What? Where's what Alyssa? Happening? Yeah. Get the ball to Alyssa. And she made the shot. And it was incredible. Yeah. Her Fantastic stuff. Great. And then obviously UCLA, Oregon State ended on uh, Talia Von Halfen, a magical three-point shot after they were going blow for blow for weeks. So uh, my question for weeks, for, uh, for, for the entire game, my question for you all, more electric basketball game. Start with Avery on this one. Oregon State, UCLA, or Utah, Colorado? As much as I am happy that Utah got this huge one against Colorado, a top 10 team, the Oregon State game was so much more electric. Like the constant lead changes. There was like eight lead changes in the last, what was it, two minutes or it something like that? Like it. I should go look it at was, the detail box. It score. was absolutely unbelievable. And that's just, it was just good basketball. And Oregon State did all that without Reagan Beers, who got injured. And I hope she's okay. But like, that's, she's their best player by a long shot. She's their star. And they just went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the country for 40 minutes. And it was it was fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So your votes, Oregon State, UCLA. Yeah, definitely. Greg, uh, not sure you got to watch either of these, but uh, which which did you hear more about afterwards? I was able to watch both of these, just not in their entirety, Mm, you know, like I got to catch the second halves of both of them. And I unfortunately have to agree, UCLA, Oregon State. There was just a different vibe watching that game, you know, mm. like it felt more like two national title contenders playing each other, you know, like you imagine a classic game. I want it to look like what UCLA Oregon State looked like, just two teams playing incredibly well, like just back and forth, back and forth. So much fun. Uh, that being said, Colorado, Utah was still a great game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was really cool that they were back to back. I We've talked mm-hmm. about this a lot. It's super frustrating that UCLA Oregon State was on the Pac-12 network. Like this <sighs> keeps on happening. These are two of the best teams in the country. Like you said, Greg, like they're both national title contenders in my opinion. Um, but I love the Oregon State game because of the crowd. Like the mm. Gil Coliseum was incredible. I think they broke the record for the most students at a women's basketball game. It might have been just a basketball mm. game by over a thousand students. Yeah. Like, wow amazing atmosphere it makes me so happy to see like games like that because women's basketball hasn't gotten the love that it deserves for a very long time but like the pac-12 crowds really show their team's love and like kb said it's it's really sad that like there's so many elite teams in this conference but it's ending 
Yeah. Um, it was an amazing uh, environment. Gil Coliseum was rocking. That shit looked electric. Uh, there was a bunch of Oregon State fans posting their, um, you know, their vid- their iPhone videos, uh, iPhone videos, their their vid- their camp, their whatever, their videos on Twitter, um, showing the crowd reaction to Talia Van Holfen's shot, and it was electric. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, the end of the ending of this game was absurd. Uh, I, I think, God, I can't even remember. Let's look at the play-by-play here. Uh, I've got this pulled up, so I'll just uh, I'll just check this out. It was absurd for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them being there were just an absurd number of fucking timeouts that, mm-hmm. that extended the last minute of this game to like 10, 15 minutes in real time. Um, UCLA had a lead, uh, 72-70. Um, Talia Van Allehoven gets fouled. That ties it uh, with about a minute left. They go back and forth, miss a couple of possessions. Uh, Tamia Gardner hits two to go up. Uh, and then with eight with eight seconds left, uh, Angela Dugalich drills a beautiful three-pointer to put UCLA up 75-74. Um, there's a timeout, and then there's another timeout, and then there's a third timeout. <laughs> uh, and then um, with uh, about, six, about six seconds left, Talia Van Elhofen uh, drills a, a not she doesn't drill it she gets it wide open lane to the basket that was horrific defense from UCLA she converts on a layup there's about two point two seconds left um, after that timeout and then another timeout <laughs> and then uh, with about two point two seconds left UCLA gets it to Lauren Betts uh, on the uh, on in the key there and drills a mid-range two, puts UCLA by two. At first, it looked like the clock went to 0.1 second, which basically would have meant the game was over. Um, But they reviewed it, put 1.1 second back on the clock. Turned out to be very materially important. Um, After a timeout from Oregon State to set their thing up, and then another timeout when they could inbound the ball, uh, they get it to Tilia Van Alhoffen, who drills a magical three-pointer at the buzzer to put... Oregon State up for a good 79 to 77. It was an amazing basketball game. I think the, to your point, Grapes, uh, Reagan Beers went out like at about the nine minute mark in the second quarter, and it sort of looked like UCLA size was going to be a little bit overwhelming. It sort of looked like UCLA might have had this game in the bag. Oregon State battled. They stayed connected the entire time, um, and their defense was had turned it up without Reagan Beers. Lauren Betts in this game. Incredible game. It's going to get lost. Mm. 22 points. Um, yeah. And she, I think 24 maybe. And she needed every one of those. Uh, this is the best that she's looked all season. Uh, this is what UCLA had envisioned uh, Lauren Betts to be as a player. Look, Looking like the best player on the court um, on the UCLA side. So, great game. I, I don't know. I mean, these two teams are probably the two best teams in the country. Everyone always gets mad at me for thinking that Iowa and South Carolina would finish fourth and fifth in the Pac-12. But... I think it might be true. I don't know. I mean, these two, these two teams are legit national title contenders. I, I think the biggest thing with Iowa and South Carolina is they're not playing top 15 teams every other game. <laughs> yeah. Like Oregon State just played UCLA and now they're playing USC, who's also a highly ranked team today. Like that's not something that South Carolina and Iowa have to do. Like no. the, they could not handle the grind of a Pac-12 schedule. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like every single week it's like a top 10 matchup. And and it's wild to me that 
Oh, man. It really sucks because everyone's paying attention to South Carolina. Everyone's paying attention to LSU. Everyone's paying attention to Iowa. I mean, the reason for that is the TV contracts. I feel like I've never felt the whole TV situation more mm-hmm. than with the Pac-12 than with Pac-12 women's hoops. Because it's like, yeah, South Carolina in the past since December 16th, they've had to play two teams that were ranked in the AP poll. <laughs> number 11, UConn. Number 9, LSU. Oh, that's it. Um, that's ridiculous. I, it's, right. They just have not. And I get it. They're a good team. But it's like if you look at Colorado's schedule and what they've had to do over the past few weeks, um, they've had to play two ranked teams just in the past this th- their last two games. Um, since that same time, since December 16th, Colorado has had to play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ranked games. Seven that's absurd. Um, and they've got to play two more now. They got to play USC uh, next Friday, and they got to play at UCLA next Friday. Two top ten teams. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I know people think I'm a hating ass, but like genuinely, the conferences are not the same. They cannot be compared. The Pac-12 is deeper. It has more teams at the top that are just absurd. Iowa, same situation. Same situation. Since December second, they've had to play two ranked teams. Right, Three, two months. <laughs> going on three months of having playing two ranked teams. And by the way, both of those teams, Indiana and Ohio State, people don't remember this. Stanford beat the fuck out of Indiana, and USC and UCLA both beat the fuck out of Ohio State. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get, you know. I'm playing I, a different sport over here. Did you see I, what Sean said in the chat? He said Oregon State played Colorado and Utah last weekend, and UCLA and USC this weekend. More oh, ranked Jesus. teams in two weeks than most teams play in two months. Yeah, really? <laughs> it's fucking absurd. Here's the thing people are getting too. There's a lot of Pac 12 fans there who I love and respect, who follow the game, who follow the sport, have been following the sport longer than I have. But I think that they are too caught up in like the, you know, this is, I'm going to not set aside complaining about the Pac-12 network and complain about fans instead for a moment. Um, they're too caught, they have access to the Pac-12 network and are watching these games. They're too caught up in the national narratives about the SEC, like the LSU and South Carolina and Angel Reese and Don Staley and Caitlin Clark and blah, blah, blah. And those are fine players and coaches and teams. They are great. I think they will be competitive. They will probably be national title contenders. But, like, I think they're forgetting that in their own backyard, there are teams that are probably better than all of them. And I get the whole South Carolina thing, but they are not playing Pac-12 competition. If South Carolina played in the Pac-12, just taking off my troll mask here for a second, they would not be undefeated. They would not have fewer than two losses. Maybe they'd still be ranked number one. Maybe they'd still be in first place. Maybe. That is a complete unknown. We just do not know. Um, But I hate this idea that it's like, oh, it's like absolutely crazy and absurd that uh caitlin clark would not perform as well if she has to play triple the number of ranked teams it's not it should not be absurd to think that south carolina could have several losses if they if they had to play triple or quadruple the number of ranked teams and not just ranked teams that are in the 20 25 23 range i'm talking about like top 15 top 10 teams colorado ucla stanford oregon state those are all top 10 quality teams oregon state will be in the top 10 this um this week and usc sorry five teams in the top 10 you're telling me that south carolina is going to run through that Fuck that. No, this is yeah. ridiculous. It's not mm-hmm. an insult to say that they wouldn't run through the Pac-12. Like, I think people yeah. take it as an attack, but I think Pac-12 women basketball fans need to put on their propaganda hats and do a yeah. little Pac-12 propaganda because I'll say something like, wow, I think Oregon State would beat South Carolina and Iowa and they'll 
like get mad at me. I'm like, this is your conference. <laughs> You're supposed yeah. to agree with me. Yeah. Um, my one of my favorite uh, basketball uh, accounts, fan accounts, uh, Maddie at PHX Suns twenty five. Um, I adore her. Absolutely love her. She's she, she does it too. And I I'm like <laughs> it's just one specific instance. So Maddie, you make me mad. I'm cocking you, Maddie. Maddie, you're making me mad. You should be doing pacto honkery. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. Um, and you know you don't even have to like be far fetched about it. Like you. I'm being far-fetched about it. I'm saying Caitlin Clark would make the all-Pac-12 uh, team if she were in the Pac-12. L- listen, just on my podcast where I tell the truth here a little bit, I, I do think she would. I think she may start. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, she would not look nearly as good as she does. I, I don't think she's scoring that. 40 or 50 uh, a game the way she is in the Big Ten. Anyway. Probably right. <laughs> yeah. So great stuff. I mean, uh, Utah just keeps hanging around too. By the way, we haven't really talked about Utah, Colorado. This UCLA, I would like Oregon to talk about the refs. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Utah getting fucking mugged at the end of that game for like the last twenty minutes of that game, and they did jack shit. Stupid fucking refs. Justice was served by that bus- buzzer beater. Utah deserved to win that game. Uh, it was a very frustrating watch. At the end of that game, Colorado. Was was quite physical, uh, maybe too physical. Mm-hmm. A lot of fouls that weren't called that should have been called. But eventually, we got there, and uh, the the arm of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they almost uh, it almost bended the other way there for a second. Um, yeah, great. Uh, that was another fantastic game, and honestly, Utah is is hanging around. Colorado, I think, is a is still a national title contending level team. I think they have a lot of depth. I think they've got some talent. I think Jalen Sherrod has had a rough stretch here, and I think that's hurting Colorado a little bit. They've they've lost two in a row, but they've lost two in a row to two damn good teams. They lost to Oregon State in a close one, um, and then they lost at Utah. Salt Lake City is impossible to win at. It feels like um, they they are still there. People are people are going to start talking differently about Colorado, but they shouldn't. Utah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Utah because they are. They're a damn good team, but I don't think I don't I wouldn't say they're a national title contending level. No, it's hard because they're in a conference with so many like elite teams, so they just feel and they're beating them and they're beating them. But they just <laughs> I don't know. Every game they have where Alyssa Peely doesn't need to score thirty points to win is a good mm-hmm. is a good feeling. It's refreshing, <laughs> you know. Definitely <laughs> needed that, especially after her performance against USC. It really felt like that was the only way Utah was going to be able to compete with these teams. So, like, I feel like they've definitely had the development they've needed to stay somewhat on the same level. But I agree. I don't think they're going to be competing for the national title, which is kind of upsetting because preseason they mm-hmm. they really seemed like a team that would but that's what injuries do to you they they ruin everything yeah yana neepkins probably a legit would have been a legit top 10 player in the pac-12 this year and um i think her injury early on hurt them but here they are i mean we're talking about that as if like you know utah's very out of the running and that they're you know and and this is like an anomaly it's not really they did beat Colorado, um, and then their last game against a ranked team, two games actually were Oregon State. They got swept by Oregon State. Kind of got their asses beat in both of them. Um, but they have wins against the LA schools, against USC and UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, they damn near took down Stanford. Um, yeah. So they've got some. They've they've got a nice resume. I mean, obviously they're going to be a tournament team. 
I don't know that I'd pick them to, but I think they're like a sweet 16. I think they'll win a couple Definitely. games in the tournament. Yeah, and and they almost beat South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, that so was like, true. <laughs> yeah, come on. And that they're was right with Yana Neepkins, right? Like, yeah. That was, and that was maybe, I think, their first game without Yana Neepkins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it was a couple games after. It was right? early on, though. It was early, though. But yeah. it was early, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but... um. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. That it, it was a. It's been a uh, a fun. It's been fun to follow those two games coming back to back. I will say, everyone's like, "Oh, every game is uh, fun." I will say, there's some shitty games in here. Uh, I'm looking at any team that plays Oregon. <laughs> yeah, oh, those are all bad games. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it is Oregon nice. Is Everybody deserves a beatdown. Oregon. Everybody deserves to beat another team down, and Oregon is here to give them oh, that. Oh my god! Oregon <laughs> is on an eight game. Uh, Oregon women's hoops is on an eight game losing streak right now. Um, they've and by a ton. They they got beat by 37 um, against USC. They got beat by 22 uh, against Utah. They got beat by 33 against Colorado. Only lost to Oregon State by four. Rivalry vibes? I don't know. Uh, they lost to Colorado by 12. Lost to Utah again by 20. Lost to Cal by nine. Lost to Stanford by 15. Um, that's Kelly Graves is not gonna. The man's not gonna make it. Uh, that that is a horrendous <laughs> end here. Um, our homie KB Thiel in the chat says, uh, Adia Barnes basketball, Adia Barnes, sorry, basketball. Yeah, she has not had a great year either. And the whole strife <laughs> yeah. around the turnover of the roster and all that sort of stuff is really getting to Arizona. They look competitive sometimes. I mean, they just beat a pretty decent Washington State team. Um, but uh, I don't know. There's, there's So there's some, there, rest assured, there are bad teams in the Pac-12. And those, you know, help lift up the top half of the Pac-12. It's like, okay, Oregon, get a bye week. Arizona, Mostly you get a bye week. Utah did lose to Arizona earlier in the season. We um, don't have to talk about that. <laughs> uh, Cal, Cal, they're, uh, you know, they're another bye week. I think they are. Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona State. Oh, my God. Arizona State is, uh, is a bye week. So they got some shitty games, and sometimes you get them in there. But the cool thing is we're always guaranteed, like, a top 10 matchup pretty much every single week. Um, so, yeah, that's Women's Hoops. Great stuff this week from uh, from that side of the the house. The other side. Way less fun. <laughs> no, not very many top ten matchups. In fact, no top ten matchups whatsoever. However, sitting atop the Pac-12, we do have some very, very hot teams right now. So let's talk a little bit about it. UCLA, Arizona, Washington State all managed to continue to roll. UCLA, this may age poorly. They have to play against Utah in the revenge game. Big revenge game. I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, where's the game being played? <laughs> I don't think... Yeah. Yeah. I've never been so sure about anything in my life. Wasser Stefanovic 30 piece incoming. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, UCLA, Arizona, and Washington State now after winning this weekend, pending UCLA beating Utah. They're 25, a combined 25 and 3 since January 13th. Three losses among them. They're each they each have one loss. Um those two, those three teams are the best teams in the Pac-12. Um, Washington State looked a little uh, last night, yesterday, I guess, looked a little weird against um, a bad Stanford team for about a half, mm, and then yeah. pulled away, away. Took care of business. Um, Washington State is taking care of business right now. Um, they're they're putting together a hell of a run. They're a tournament lock at this point. I think they I think would it's have to collapse. time to rank Washington State. What's that? I think it's time to rank Washington oh, State. Oh, yeah. 34th in Kempom. It's right there. They're right on the cusp. And they are on a, I think this is a seven-game win streak. They've won 10 of their last 11. 
this has been a hell of a run. Um, Kyle Smith is making me look like a moron for hating him. He's been, he has been, um, you know, again, taking off my troll mask, has been fantastic. Um, the way that he's had to retool this roster, the way that he's he kind did of such put, a good job. yeah, the way he's put together this team in a way that's completely different than than it was last year. They're not shooting very many threes at all this year, which is what all they did last year. This year, it's just playing on the interior, being big. They got a lot of big bodies there. Developed the shit out of Jalen Jalen Wells, who is a Division II transfer. Miles Rice obviously looks like a Pac-12 player, the year-level candidate. Um, Andre Giacomoski, a great shooter. Isaac Jones looks fantastic. He might be Pac-12 All-Conference. Oxford Clough, going to be a problem if he stays at Washington State. So... Washington State's been awesome. Arizona continuing to blast teams. Uh, they beat the living fuck out of Arizona State. Uh, 105 to 60, a 45 point beatdown over Arizona State in Tucson. It looked a little weird for about, I don't know, 10 minutes, and then Arizona promptly just uh, slit their throats and bled them out. Um, UCLA, on the other hand, they beat Colorado 64 60 in a, in a thrilling win um, against the Buffs to win six straight. So those those three teams are hot as fuck right now. They are blazing. Quick from you, I'll start with Greg. Which of those teams right now you think are, are their their winning streak is the most impressive? UCLA, Arizona, or Washington State? I just can't get over. We talked about Kyle Smith. Like I can't get over how impressive the season is for him. Uh, like if I was voting for Coach of the Year right now, it would be him, and just such a match, a massive gap between him and number two. Uh, the way that he is able to cope with Washington state's terrible NIL situation, getting their roster poached every year. And yet he still reloads like his talent ID is incredible. And now we've got Washington state peaking at the perfect time right before March. They're on this win streak. They look incredible. Like I, I can't get over how impressive the Washington state season has been. They're in control of their own destiny for a regular season Pac-12 championship. They, you know, they they're if he one, does that, my God. They're uh, a half game back of Arizona. Um, that one one in the loss column. They play Arizona next. Uh, now they play Arizona in Tucson, so it's going to be a bit of an uphill yeah, battle. But rough. they're in that position. They're right there. Um, KB Teal in the uh, in the chat says. Kyle Smith is great at scouting and finding talent. He always finds good players that nobody else wanted. Yeah, he's he's done a good job of that. Um, it's it's been really impressive from Kyle Smith. He's, yeah. he's had a, a hell of a run. Grace, what about you? UCLA, Arizona, Washington State. Which of these are you most impressed with? I uh, I was thinking UCLA, but they like it's impressive because they because they put themselves in a terrible position, which I don't want to <laughs> reward them for. So I think I have to say Washington State too, because like they have gotten everything done that they've needed to. Like we've definitely not been kind about who they played early on in the season. Like they did not have a tough non conference schedule, but they won their games and they've continued to win their games. And now they're in the position where they could win the regular season conference against the number five team in the country. Like that's very impressive considering what's going on at Washington State. But I have to say, man, I feel bad for DJ Rodman. Yeah, continues. He continu- his Huge decision bummer. to leave for USC <laughs> continues to look worse and worse. Now, I will say, I think DJ Rodman is probably getting paid more than he is at USC, yeah, if I'm being probably. completely honest. <laughs> you want to play in the tournament? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, no, uh, he probably you know, doesn't need the money. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know. Like, uh, would you rather? What would you pick? Uh, would you pick a hundred thousand dollars or 
play in the NCAA tournament. Is my hey, give me a hundred thousand dollars in living in LA? I don't care. I'm my sorry. That is a very famous former NBA player. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know that Den- does Dennis Rod. I don't does Dennis Rodman have money like that? Probably. Anymore? I mean, you have to understand. Back in the '90s, it was like they were making like two million dollars a year or whatever, right? Doesn't have that much money. Yeah, but he's like an icon. He is an icon. He uh, definitely has more money than I do. So that's, that's true. Yes, that is <laughs> that is probably true. But um, then again, he doesn't have to live in Pullman, so it's like. Uh, and I think, am I wrong in saying that? I think DJ Rodman and his son are and his dad are estranged. I thought oh, they were, they? but I didn't want to say because I have no idea. Like, I, I think they might be. I'm gonna look up. Let's uh, let's look at this uh, this up on, on Wikipedia. Family um, drama. Yeah, let's see. Um, I could have sworn that this was a story, but maybe I'm wrong. Personally, me, if it was me, I would take the hundred thousand dollars in living in L.A. over a okay. tournament appearance. But I'm not. I'm not a ball player like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't dream of playing in March Madness. You know, maybe DJ Rodman doesn't. Have you considered yeah, that? Have you considered true. DJ Rodman just wants to live and eat and be well? You know what? That's true. <laughs> Still, probably sucks to be a UC, USC player right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Greg, a hundred thousand dollars and living in LA, or zero dollars <laughs> and living in Pullman, but going to the NCAA tournament. It's the living in Pullman thing that I just can't get over. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> so now we see DJ Rodgers probably looking at that and be like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, the Washington State fans true. are going to hate us. Just how, how good of a hang is Andy Enfield? I think this is important. This is important. I think I'd rather hang out with Kyle Smith. I'd rather hang out with Kyle Smith. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Andy Enfield is gross. I don't think Washington State fans should get mad at us because like, if you're defending Pullman like that... <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Be real. Do Be you serious. even like Pullman? <laughs> yeah. Their fans don't even go into Pullman to watch the games. <laughs> so, I will say, in defense of that, if I, like, I live in Western Washington, if I had to go to Pullman right now, I would not survive. Like, it is genuinely <laughs> not safe to drive over there. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, there was a whole discourse about Washington State uh, not having a ton of fans there. They think they. The early numbers and their game against, I think it was Cal, they had 2,700. It got revised up to 3,700. I think Beasley Coliseum holds uh, like 6,000, something like that, 7,000. So still still a pretty light crowd, all things considered. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm going to – I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to – just to talk about other teams, but also because I'm a fucking honk, I'm going to say UCLA. I'm going to say UCLA for a couple of reasons that their streak has been most impressive over the past month or so. Um, because number one, um, I think, I think having talented players matters, but they have a a lot of inexperience, especially compared to Washington state. They have so much more in uh, so much less experience than Washington state does. Um, and I I would say it's just been like the in-season turnaround from where they were at the beginning to where they are now has been one of the best turnaround jobs I've seen since 2019-2020 when McCronin did it again with UCLA. So, um, you know, in terms of competition, I'd say they're all comparable. Arizona, Washington State, um, UCLA. Um, I would say that they're probably they're, – they're pretty comparable. But it just feels to me that UCLA has been able to do this, like, based purely on player development. It's been really absurd to watch. And obviously following this very closely, it's like 
every single player on UCLA, whether they play two minutes or or 40 minutes, look better than they did back in, you know, December when they got their ass beat by Utah by 46, right? Um, so I think that that turnaround job has been fantastic. It has been, um, it has been as a UCLA fan, a lot of fun to watch. I love these teams that, you know, it's just same thing in 2019, 2020 that look like dog shit early on, and you're like, I fucking hate Mick Cronin. Get his ass out of here. Um, and then turn it around and suddenly look like juggernauts. Like, those are always the most fun teams to watch, even more than, you know, last year where they were national title contenders and they were beating the shit out of everyone. This is way more fun. I, you know, I love these. these the reason seasons. it's just not as impressive for me is it might be for nothing. Like, there's a very good it's chance true. all of this means zero. And you're, <laughs> you're, you're UCLA. Like, if you're Oregon State and you do this and you have a horrible start to the season, like, your coach is basically out the door and you turn around and play like this and then people are like, oh, Oregon State. Like, that's cool and fun because it's Oregon State. But, like, you're UCLA. You had expectations going into the season. And this incredible run, the possibility of winning all of your games to finish out the season for it not to matter at all really takes out a lot of it for me. I mean, I think if they win out, they're in. They're in there. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, Yeah. I hope so. Um, But, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we... It's interesting because I, I feel like in the preview that I wrote many months ago, I was like, this is going to be a hard start. It's going to be a really ugly start, and they're going to pick it up. I didn't expect it to get this ugly, um, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, but it did, and they've kind of dug themselves in a hole, but they have they have an opportunity to dig themselves out. So they got to get a starts with a, a win against Utah, a revenge game. they got to beat the shit out of Utah, I think. Um, that would go a long way towards their metrics and the eye test and that sort of thing. Uh, we didn't talk about Arizona at all. No one finds what Arizona's doing particularly impressive. I mean, it's not like the conference is elite. Like, if the men's conference was the same caliber as the women's conference and Arizona was doing this, I'd be like, yeah. But who are they playing, really? Yeah, their their six-game win streak uh, includes Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Utah, Colorado, Arizona State. Um, only one of those teams is inside the top 40 in Kempom. It's Colorado. They beat the shit out of Colorado. And I don't think any of us take Colorado that seriously. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, the thing is, is that Arizona, UCLA, and Washington State are the only good teams in the Pac-12. Everyone else is collapsing and they haven't played each other yet. I mean, they have, they've played each other once, um, except for UCLA, Washington State, they haven't played each other, but they will here soon. Next Thursday, Arizona hosts Washington State, um, in a couple of weeks, I think, uh, March 2nd, UCLA goes to Pullman to play Washington State. And then on March 7th. Arizona goes to Poly to play UCLA. So those three teams are going to play each other in the coming weeks, and I think we'll learn a lot more. But right now, they're taking care of business against uh, teams that they should. Weird to say that about UCLA and Washington State, but they're doing that. Um, Arizona, though, I think is good. I think they're a great team. I think that they're turning into something scary, but they got to have the consistency to do it. The loss against Oregon State is not going to go away in terms of their perception. They're still a one seed. Um, So... We'll find out what they do, but their next game is going to say a lot. I think that game against Washington State is going to tell us so much about both of those teams. If Arizona goes in and raises the fuck out of Washington State, I would both feel a lot better about Arizona, and I'd feel less, I'd think less of Washington State um, if they got their ass beat against Arizona and Tucson. If it's a close game, I'm hoping it's a classic. If it's a close game that's fun, uh, that's close, that's tight, comes down to the wire, I'll feel I'll I'll feel that Washington State belongs, and I'll feel that, and I won't think less of Arizona. So, we'll we'll find out what happens there. But it's a good team. 
Arizona's just kind of plugging away, and we already know this about Arizona. Mm-hmm. Show us in March, um, and they'll get some big opportunities here in the coming weeks. All right, anything else about those three teams? Really excited for Vegas. Gonna yeah. be fun. Gonna, gonna be that. fun. Gonna be so much fun. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick ad break. When we come back, we'll talk about Player of the Year. We'll talk about coaching hot seats. Don't go anywhere. Pac-12 sickos, it is women's basketball season. If you have not been keeping up with the Pac-12 women's basketball, you haven't been listening to our episodes, Pac-12 women's hoops is on a damn heater. Uh, They have several top 10 teams. They look like they have four of the best teams in the country, maybe five of the top six or seven. Pac-12 women's basketball is on another level. And you should support your women's teams by going to Homefield and buying one of their shirts. Uh, one of my favorite shirts right now in the Homefield UCLA collection is this UCLA women's basketball shirt commemorating their 1978 Nash- national championship. It is a gorgeous shirt. Uh, it's got this lovely cream color, this vintage 1970s logo and design. It's gorgeous. It's super soft. It's super comfortable. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of really great shirts out there commemorating women's basketball all across the Pac-12. You should go check that out. Uh, These shirts are comfortable. They're incredible. They're great to look at. I get comments on them all the time, people being like on the streets just saying, where'd you get that shirt? That's cool. Uh, Especially if you live in a college town where people actually care about these things. I think you'd stand out. Go check that out at homefieldapparel.com. You can save if you're a first-time customer by entering the code NOTRUCKSTOPS23 at checkout. You heard it here first. You can do feminism by going to homefieldapparel.com and buying a woman's basketball shirt. (laughs) (laughs) They got some cool stuff for women's hoops. They've got some some fun stuff. All right, let's get to the next part of our conversation here, which is around the player of the year discourse. Let's do men's and women's. Why not? Um, uh, In this season, pulling up the stats here for the women's, let's start with the men's, though. Off the top of your head right now, who do you have as the uh, player of the year front runner? I mean, I feel like it's a wide open field. Yeah. In, in a bad way. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I, mean, I would not be players, surprised at all. Yeah. Go if ahead. If the three of us came up with different names. I think it's going like, to be Caleb Love. Is that the easy, boring answer? You think it's Billy. going to be, or who do you think it should be? Who it should be? Uh, I don't know. Let me think. Is Caleb Love the best player on his team? He's Scores the most. He probably is. (laughs) I mean, God. I mean, the the weird thing about um, Arizona is that they have a lot of good players and they're really balanced. Caleb Love is an elite scorer, but I wouldn't say he's the best player on that team. Keisha Johnson. I mean, if if we valued rebounding and defense and athleticism and all that and physicality and what he brings to the team, I feel like Keisha Johnson is probably their most important player. Uh, he won't get any player of the year love, I'm pretty sure. Scoring does seem to be a big part of this. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Caleb Love is an interesting answer. Um, but he's not the best player on that team. But rarely, sometimes, is the best player on the team the one that gets the player of the year love. What do you think, Greg? I am struggling with this. I still I still kind of feel like KJ Simpson has yeah. played the best. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd vote for him. But also, like, I feel weird about voting for a Colorado player, yes. you know, like because Colorado just feels like I don't think Colorado and Utah should be winning awards. They've been so bad uh, on the road and relative to expectations. That being said, I still think KJ Simpson's been the best player. I'd give it to him. 
but there are so many players who it could go to. Yeah, KJ Simpson's a good pick. I think he's uh he is it feels to me when Colorado doesn't have a pulse, he's the only player who has one. Um and Colorado has been pulseless for long stretches during this season. Uh he actually leads the Pac-12 in win shares in case you didn't um in case you didn't know that. So KJ Simpson's a good pick. Yeah, this one's really hard for me. Um I I think I might hmm I think I'm going to go with Miles Rice. I think I'd go with Miles oh. Rice right now for Washington State. Um he's been awesome this season. Uh he is averaging, see if I can pull up his stats here. He's averaging 15.9 points per game, 3 assists, 3.7 uh, 3.7 assists, three rebounds, 1.7 steals. It's got to be tops in the Pac-12 or close to it. Um, uh, it is actually a whole steal behind. Oh, that's right, Frankie Collins, yes. my king. Yes, <laughs> Frankie Collins. If Arizona State were worth a shit, Frankie Collins would be in yeah. this discussion. People are begging us to talk about Arizona State basketball, and I don't want to. But Frankie Collins <laughs> is a light in the darkness. He's He's great. He's yeah, really good. Um, top four steals in the country. I think he's close to breaking the Pac-12 record in steals. Uh, he's he's like in he's like in contention right now. Um, he probably does deserve. He's he's probably the best on-ball perimeter defender in the Pac-12 by a good margin. Um, it sucks that Arizona State is as bad as they are because again he's he's probably he's probably player of the year consideration. I would say he'd probably be DPOI if again Arizona State were a little bit. better. The problem is yeah. Dan Bona mm-hmm. is probably as as good of a defender as Frankie Collins and is on He's a better, better team. Yeah. yeah. You you got to see Frankie Collins actually play in a team that wants to God, compete for something to see God. how good he actually is as a defender. Yeah, send him somewhere. Oh, my God, I feel really – that <laughs> sucks. I Frankie Collins has been fun this year. He's been really, really, really good. Frankie, come to Utah when Bobby gets fired this offseason. <laughs> okay, but we might <laughs> yeah, not have a Craig Smith either. is going to get fired the next season. He's going to just go to – Exactly. Coaches. Um, <laughs> let's see about that. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miles Rice, though. I think he's had an incredible story. Obviously, coming back from cancer, was declared cancer-free back in March 2023. Yeah. Um, has is, – is, so he's, it's his freshman year, technically. Um, and he's been fantastic. He's a great scorer. He's an all around, great all-around uh, guard on the perimeter for Washington State. Um, maybe their most important player, maybe maybe it's Isaac Jones, but at the very least, Miles Rice is there. Um, so I'm going to give it to Miles Rice right now. I think it'd be the best story. It's a wide open field right now. It's like if I just sort, if you just go to sports reference and sort by win shares, the top 10 players are KJ Simpson, Isaac Jones out of Washington State, Caleb Love, Keon Brooks Jr. out of Washington, Pella Larson for Arizona, Umar Balo for Arizona, Miles Rice for Washington State, Javon Hadley for Colorado, Jalen Tyson for Cal. I think he'd he'd be another mm. one if Cal were a little bit better. And then Tristan DeSilva for Colorado. Not no a Utah deep players. Field. No, no. The the highest Utah player in win shares is number twelve, Brandon Carlson. He is. Uh, I, I miss the days when I thought Brandon Carlson could win Player of mm-hmm. the Year. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. Just a tragedy, truly. Keon Brooks Jr. is really good. Washington's insufferable to watch. Like I, I was trying <laughs> really to sit down. To watch them. I was trying to watch the Cal Washington game yesterday, and like. Oh, it was bad. It was not entertaining at all. But Cam Brooks Jr. is genuinely a very good player. Nobody's going to consider him because of how Washington is this season. Yeah. Yeah. So wide open field. We actually did. Did we end up with all with three different players? Who'd you pick? You pick KJ Simpson, Greg. I Grapes, think you went I'm with Caleb Love. Caleb Love. Yeah. I don't know, though. When do I, they vote on this? When it, when is this decided after the Pac-12 tournament? I, oh. I thought it was before. Is it 
That sounds about right. Because usually they do that for football before the championship game. And they have the tournament most outstanding. Don't they have a Pac-12 tournament? Like, yeah, it's most outstanding player. Right. So they're probably they, voting on that the second week of March. Yeah, I think that was. I think that sounds about right. Um, so I mean, we all had three different ones. I think you could make an argument for an Isaac Jones. I think you could make an argument for. I mean, it has to be one of UCLA, Arizona, or Washington State at this point. Assuming those teams don't fall apart, it has to be. Probably that's usually how it goes. Who won last yeah. year? Uh, Hawkes, right? Jaime, Jaime or did Tabellas do it? I think Jaime Hawkes won. Yeah. God, that's yeah, a, I, I thought Hawkes won. I'm pretty sure Last Jaime year, did it. the reason that I'm sure that it happens before the Pac-12 tournament is because last year, the Tabellas versus Hawkes discourse was hot. Yes. And <laughs> that was a big part of it was UCLA, uh, was Arizona fans talking about how they didn't have to include the tournament. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. God, it's gonna the the UCLA Arizona discourse is gonna get ugly if UCLA keeps winning. It's gonna be it's gonna be really weird. Um, okay, let's move over to the women's side because there's some a lot of great players on that side, and the picture is I don't think it's I don't think it's much clear on the women's side either. Greg, you were saying that uh, you think you think at least you believe the, the the general opinion the consensus is it's Cameron Brink. Yeah, why why wouldn't it just be Cameron Brink? Because that as someone who is much more of a casual Pac-12 women's basketball fan, why, why is it not her? Yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> uh, Cameron Brink, I think analytically is the best player. If you just look at like efficiency stats, if you look at, uh, like win shares and all that sort of stuff, player efficiency rating, like she is tops in all of those things. But I, th- I think, <laughs> I think it's a little bit weird because she, um, is a, a really good offensive player, but not a great one and an elite defender. And at some point, I think the player of the year argument for Cameron Brink is, is you're really leaning on her defense. I just think that there's other players that have, you know, stood out and Stanford is not, I would not say Stanford is the best team in the PAC 12. I Um, think it's unfair to like how good this conference is to say it's Cameron Brink with a bullet. There's too many other players that are just should be considered in contention. And I I do think the media will vote for Cameron Brink because that's usually what they do. But like off the top of my head, you have to include Reagan Beers from Oregon State. Um, I don't know if I'd include Lauren Betts. I don't think I would have in the conversation, but she has had a last a couple of games that have been really great. Uh, Charisma Osborne, Alyssa Peely. You're missing uh, one name that I think wins. Juju it. Watkins. Juju Jaylen Watkins. Gerard. It's Juju Watkins <laughs> for me. Um, I know she's just a freshman. Give me Juju Watkins. I mean, yeah. I don't know that there's she's been another. So good. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say Cameron Brink, all around great player. Um, you know, a, a top seven to ten offensive player in the Pac-12, best defensive player in the Pac-12. Juju Watkins, I would say second best defensive player in the Pac-12 right now as a true freshman. Second best. And, wow. And, and maybe the best pure scorer. I mean, it's like what she has done this season has has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, she obviously had the b- game of the year, the game of the year against who else? Stanford. Um, in Maples Pavilion, scoring 51 in that game. Um, and then his av- she's averaging 28, 28 points per game as a true freshman in the Pac-12, in a really tough Pac-12. Um, and and his, her efficiency stats, she kind of gets knocked on that. They're not bad. She's shooting 43% from the field and 35% from three. Those are not horrible. She's getting 2.7 steals per game, 1.6 blocks. Just in terms of combined stats, like getting five 
like blocks and steals a game is fucking ridiculous. Or four, I guess it's four, almost five. Seven rebounds, three and a half assists. Um, she is my pick. I it's it's really weird to think about a true freshman winning this, especially when Cameron Brink. I think the Cameron Brink love to your point, Greg. And I think something a lot of casuals think is that Cameron Brink was kind of considered the front runner and the most popular player in the Pac-12 coming into the season. And so mm-hmm. I think people are kind of putting her at the top by default. But um, Juju Watkins has exploded into the, onto the scene in ways that I don't know that we have ever seen in this league. Um, over her past five games here, she's averaging 35 points per game off 46% from the field, 37% from three six rebounds, a 7.4 rebounds, 3.8 assists, three steals, 1.4 blocks. She has to do everything for USC. And USC is a top 10 team because of Juju Watkins, first, second, and third, because of her offense, because of her defense, uh, because of her, and and it's the way she plays offense too. I'm going on a Juju Watkins diatribe here uh, because she puts so much pressure when things are falling apart. Juju Watkins puts her head head down and, and drives to the basket in ways that just rally her team. Uh, she is constantly finding opportunities to get to the line. Um, she just puts a ton of pressure on opposing defenses. She's she's my pick for Pac-12 Player of the Year. I, I would put her number one. To me, it, it does not feel that close. I, I think you could make an argument for a Reagan Beers. I think you could make an argument for a, maybe a Lauren Betts. I think you can make an argument for a ton of different players, but for me, it's Juju Watkins. I just think she ha- what she has done has been otherworldly. Otherworldly. I I should have saved this TikTok so we could show it. Oh my God, there's this TikTok talking about how Juju Watkins is so good because of there's her, a magnet her in her bun. <laughs> there's a what in her bun? So, so Juju Watkins wears a really high bun and it just yeah. kind of sits almost yeah. on the middle of her head. Uh huh. And there was a TikTok that said that the reason she's so good is because that's like a magnet for satellites that keep her upright. It's <laughs> <laughs> the unreal so balance. She could be sideways, but that bun keeps her. And up. she had videos. It. She had clips of Juju Watkins falling <laughs> and then coming right back up because the magnets were keeping her stable. <laughs> I'm gonna find it and I'll tweet it because it's seriously one and, of the funniest. And, and the caption was one. Juju Watkins cheating? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Oh, so good. So good. Um, You see, Pac-12 men's basketball, I need you to get better so that we can have these conspiracy discourses about you, too. Yeah, I haven't had a good conspiracy discourse since Oregon State went to the Elite Eight. That was so long ago. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, for me, it's Juju Watkins. I think Kiki Ariafin probably deserves some dark horse love, which is weird because, you know, Cameron Brink, she's on Cameron Brink's team. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think Kiki Ariafin looks better than Cameron Brink does. Um, Reagan Beers, obviously, uh, uh, such a crucial part of what Oregon State has done this season. The UCLA players are good. I don't know. Charisma Osborne's been good, but I. I I don't know that she feels Pac-12 Player of the Year level to me. You could certainly, you could certainly talk me into maybe Talia Van Allhoffen. Um, she's been fantastic. I think if, before a couple of weeks ago, or before maybe a week ago, uh, Jalen Sherrod should have been on there. I still think probably Jalen Sherrod for Colorado, the point guard for Colorado, has to be considered. So I don't know. I feel like Cameron Brink. She's an incredible player, but the way people talk about her is like a lesser degree of Caitlin Clark, where I don't know. There's just like no way to have a conversation about her player other than like she's 
elite and the best in the conference from the yeah. conversations I've seen from women's basketball fans, like nationally. Yeah. Who, who, who again, who was that about Cameron Brink? Cameron Brink. Yeah. 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 I mean, people got to watch the games, but they can't cause it's on the Pac-12 network. So yeah. Can't blame them. Um, yeah. The Juju Watkins 51 point game at Stanford. Again, that was a top 10 matchup, um, was on the Pac-12 network. She scored 51 and, and very few people actually, actually saw how that happened. So, uh, fun game though. It was an incredible game from her. She had to basically care the entire time. Um, okay, well let's move on to our next segment here since we got our players of the year. Wait, hold on. Did we take a vote, Greg? Did you vote Cameron Brink? I I don't feel qualified okay. to vote, but I'll, I'll vote Cameron Brink on behalf of KB Thiel. Okay. In the comment. Uh, Avery, did you have a actual player of the year? Pick? Yeah, you you won me over with Juju Watkins. That's I totally forgot she scored fifty one against Stanford, who yeah. supposedly has the best <laughs> defensive player in the country. So got a couple on Cameron Brink. Yeah, got a got quite a bit on Cameron Brink. She was driving to the basket and tested Brink, and I think she got the better of her. Yeah, give me Juju Watkins. It's Juju Watkins for me. All right, let's move on to let's finish this off with uh, some coaching hot seat discussions here. Um, lots of bad teams in the Pac-12 on the men's side this season. Uh, Greg, let's start with you. Uh, of all the teams that have really fallen off here in the Pac-12, who do you think has the hottest seat right now? Andy Enfield shouldn't just be fired. Like, he should be loaded into a cannon <laughs> and fired off of the co- off of the California coastline, all right? Get him out of the country. A new, a new type of fire. <laughs> fire him, him into to international Europe. waters. Tarmacking is too good for him. Send him okay? back to Europe. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to tarmac him, make sure you take him out of the country, drop him in Canada, <laughs> come back. Then he's gone, and we don't have to deal with him anymore. Take his passport so he can't come back. <laughs> he, he is a terrorist. He is terrible. This guy, how do you take a roster? that universally was considered to be, if not the best in the conference, the second best, even without Bronny James. Uh, and you make them, for like long stretches of the year, the second worst or worst Pac-12 team? What are you doing? I don't understand how it happened. He tried to blow the game against Utah, which is pathetic because it's like, you should be beating Utah when you get them at home. That's what everybody does, and you did beat them. but like. Bronny James is having a great game. He is shutting down Utah's offense nearly single-handedly. And you take him out and you you just give Utah the life to score offensively again. Like he just never has any idea what's happening in the game. He never has any idea how to get his team open shots. He never has any idea how to keep a run going. He is so fucking bad at everything. Is he a he is so bad at everything except for like wrangling boosters. Is he, a I, he has to be right. He has to be I right. hate this man. <laughs> um, I don't know that he's a Nepo baby, but isn't his, wasn't his primary career like an investment banker or some shit or like a hedge fund manager or some shit like that? Oh yeah. So he's I mean, just good at getting investment from people then. Yeah. He's, he's a salesman. How did he do that at FGCU? I mean, I think he was doing it as a hobby, <laughs> as far as I know. Those, those Florida <laughs> Gulf Coast boosters, he really he really got them to pony up. Yeah. Uh, Enfield invest, in 2000, Enfield invested in and was hired as a vice president of finance and track manager, a healthcare software startup. Um, and I think that's how he made a shit ton of money. I think he sold that um, and um, just made a fuck He's ton of money. He's been paying NIL out of pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why they won't fire him yeah 
He's got all the money. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he is a great one. He has USC has had a dog shit season. Um, they are. Well, let me look. See if I do the math here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Two and nine since January tenth. Um, that's horrendous. And they've never looked. They've never looked competitive in a lot of these games against you against Colorado uh, last night. Uh, went to double overtime and. Frankly, I don't know. I mean, it looked like USC was actually going to beat Colorado there for a minute. They were up like 10, 11, kind of late. Colorado stormed back. Um, I just think the the highlight, the illustrative example of like Andy Anfield has no fucking clue what he's doing on the basketball court. Um, the final play, down three, they Andy Anfield basically draws up or calls nothing. Uh, Isaiah Collier slowly walks the ball up the court. It's nine seconds left. They they pass it to Isaiah Collier on the perimeter. They pass it to I can't remember who the other player was that they passed. That he gets something and they're just casual passes at the top of the key, like no action, nothing. Yeah. And Boogie Ellis has to gets the grenade and has to settle for like a thirty five foot fadeaway three that obviously airballs. It was like, what are you doing? Um, it if was he's going to call end. himself the shot doctor, this is medical malpractice. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is doctor. should be illegal <laughs> what he's doing. I forgot. I forgot that uh, he has uh, called himself the shot doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, anyway, yeah. Andy Anfield's a great one. Grapes, do you have one? Uh, Pac-12 coach Bobby who deserves Hurley. to be on the seat. Get rid of him. It's time. It's time to let go. He's not, he hasn't even accomplished the thing where it's like, oh, ASU, they could do something. Like, he hasn't even done that this year. It existed for like two weeks in January and (laughs) nobody even gives a shit. So, yeah, I I don't know why you're holding on to Bobby Hurley anymore. I guess it's money. That's probably what it is because they've been having extension. Did he? I don't. There's I don't no know. way they extended him. I'm not sure. Let's see. He got a. I feel like after, I was really upset last offseason about Bobby Hurley. Let's see. ASU men's basketball coach Bobby Hurley has agreed. This is back in March 2023, so last year after they had the first yeah. four appearance, um, he and the win after they agreed to a two year contract extension that will expire after the 25 26 season. I don't know what the buyout number is. Obviously, I think yeah, the I don't think that matters because you don't wait until the year your extension ends yeah. to fire a coach yeah so i, I think i think he's very fireable you're right i, I think, think he it's might be. high time to fire bobby early i don't like bobby hurley he just makes me like infuriated i can't stand him i need him gone i, I will say this about bobby hurley <laughs> he makes arizona state like very entertaining yeah, um, but not, in a, not, good, not no. in a good way. No, I'm no. not here for what you're doing here, Carlos. This is bad. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he's he's not a great coach. But uh he brings in talented, cool players. Sometimes they hoop, sometimes they don't. They're liable <laughs> to beat anyone just based on them being a fucking, you know, just getting hot. Uh, and Bobby Hurley's just like fun to watch and listen to. <laughs> I, I hate uh, Carlos's argument for keeping Bobby Hurley around is that he's good for like content for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> if you were an ASU fan, Carlos, you would be begging. You would be begging for boring. You would be like, please, On I need knees. a boring coach. I need anything that's not this. <laughs> I will say, I get like at least three incredible content moments out of Bobby Hurley every year, which is a good yeah. payoff. It's better than oh, ever anyone else in this conference. 
he's great in the tournament, especially because we're going to be there in person. We're going to get to see him yelling. Oh, and we'll get in to person. yell at him. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Jared Haas should be fired. Yeah, talk about bo- yeah. Bo- uh, then but there's like, the boring list of, pl- of guys who need to get canned. Jared Haas, guys who needed to be fired for, for several years. years. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jared Haas, Mike Hopkins. God, I mean, they were on. They they should have been fired last year. Mike Hopkins. Yeah. Mike Hopkins is a war criminal because how are you? How are you getting players like Keon Brooks Jr. and doing nothing, accomplishing yeah. absolutely zero? Like he's legitimately one of the best players in the conference and nobody ever fucking talks about him because he's on Washington because he has he's to kind play of like, for Mike Hopkins. That's Keon yeah. Brooks's fault though. Like he chose <laughs> to go to Washington and Mike Hopkins. You're victim blaming. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he did he this. He paid did. to go there. It's the same <laughs> thing as, as much, if not more anywhere else. Mick Cronin had said and like revealed I in a press conference that, that he tried Hopkins to recruit Keon like Brooks this, to UCLA. I think he has like this, fucking mist that he puts on recruits because how is he accomplishing this he's drugging the recruits like how is he getting them to go to washington and play for him like he has to have this amazing charisma with the recruits which is crazy because if you look at him that looks like a man you do not want to be around he's a lot like Bobby Hurley and that he gets players into Washington, except he's just not good for content yeah, at all. Exactly. Like he's, he's so on he's, and so he's useless. Yeah, he's boring. <laughs> and so is Washington. I mean, Jared Haas does the same thing. Like Andre Stojakovic was a high four star mm-hmm. player. Maxime Reynaud, Spencer Jones. Like, I think these were all highly recruited players. I mean, they had um Harrison Ingram for a couple of years. Yes. He transferred to UNC. He's looking like very good now because he's playing he's playing on a better team, I think, from what I've heard. Um, like he gets good players too. And Stanford similarly look like dog shit uh every single year yeah okay they beat arizona on that weird game because they have a they have tommy lloyd's number for whatever reason but um you know i think they also beat um washington state didn't they um no they did not they lost to washington state i guess i'm thinking about utah yeah maybe maybe they did beat utah (laughs) which isn't isn't impressive anymore yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so both of those coaches i mean they've been on the hottest of seat forever i don't know if stanford actually cares I don't know if Washington actually cares. There's some sneaky picks for hot seats. Uh, Tad Boyle. He's a good one. Tad Boyle's I a really good one. Tad Boyle and Craig Smith are both on like pre-hot seats. Yeah, you know? like it's warming up. There's no up. world they get the fired right now. Seat warmers are on. It's very easy to see a world in which they get fired next year. I, I, I think there's a chance Tad Boyle. There's an outside chance that Tad Boyle gets hired this year. Um, fired. Fired. fired, yeah. I think there's a chance that he gets fired um, this year. I mean, there's a lot of noise from Colorado fans, have been all season, how much of a big prove-it year this was for him. Um, so the school, well, okay, never mind. The buyout for him apparently is, per USA Today, appears to be $10.2 million. Ooh. What's Craig Smith's buyout? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Let's the find worst, out. Three years. I'll look it up. One of the worst things about the Craig Smith situation is – there's another Pac-12 team that hired a coach that coached in the state of Utah that is yeah. doing great with that <laughs> and coach. That it's, asked, yeah. it's not Utah. <laughs> Who is it? Oh, the Utah Mark State Madsen. guy. Mark Madsen is. Oh, uh, he was oh. at UVU. Yeah, UVU. Yeah. And I think he wasn't really like the greatest candidate at the time that Craig Smith was hired. I was a little was early on, though. but he did come up in the conversation. And now I'm looking at what Cal's doing, and I'm like, you know what? Damn, Andy would have been cheaper to hire too. 
That's uh, give me Kyle Smith at Utah, though. Uh, Carlos, you tweeted that, <laughs> and it will be my dream for oh, the next however long it's possible. That'd Just be the- an easy change, too, because like, you can keep Coach Smith on everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Utah's like, we're only going after a guy named Smith. <laughs> we, can't, we can't change everything Starts from Smith to Sprinkler. Oh, he, would be great, he would be great at Utah because like, he's good at finding talented players that nobody else looks at but at utah you'd actually be able to retain them yeah because utah has like a better infrastructure like their facilities are better salt lake city is a better place than pullman like that would be a he'd be a great fit at utah and like utah's nil isn't great but it's better than what he's it dealt with in Washington exists, State. so and he might instead of getting every year his entire roster poached like you mentioned he might actually be able to go and add to a roster mm-hmm. in yeah. an offseason Per USA Today, Craig Smith buyout eight point eight million dollars. So yeah, he's not getting fired. I yeah. mean, he wasn't getting fired after this year anyway. No, but definitely next year is. I mean, next year to your point, Greg, you made this a point a couple weeks ago. Utah's bringing back a fair amount of players next year. Can bring back a fair amount mm-hmm. of players next year. Obviously, if there's an exodus, uh, Craig Smith may be just sitting sitting on his hands waiting to get fired. I think the players really like Craig Smith though. He's another one of those guys that like he yeah. really wins people over. Doesn't help he in does. recruiting, unfortunately, but his players in house, at least from my experience at Utah, like really bought into Craig Smith. I don't know how they're it feeling. It doesn't right help now. that the two big wins he had in recruiting this year with uh, Jackson Johnson went to my high school um, and David Katoa are both not going to be joining the program for two years. Oh yeah, so, like stop recruiting Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one guy who was a mission kid that Utah really wanted to get, Colin Chandler, he missed on. Yeah, a but he, years ago. I feel like it's pretty easy for to convince him to come. Uh, I don't know about basketball. Yeah, BYU is um, a much better situation right now for a basketball player. Yeah, uh, another coach that probably should be on the hot seat: Wayne Tinkle, Oregon State. No, I don't think they can. Not. I don't I know. How he does it looks like per USA Today. I'm not sure how accurate these numbers are. I'm just spitting shit out that I see on the internet uh, unchecked. Uh, Wayne Tinkle, his bio appears to be 11.9 million. Yeah, yeah he got he got a massive extension, and also Oregon State has not been bad this year. Like they've been bad, but like they yeah, have shown improvement. They have improved. You're right. You're right. Um, and just for folks, uh, just to circle back to this, Bobby Hurley's bio is is only 3.2 million. Probably oh, yeah, goes he, down after the season. This was back in. He should be fired. Yeah, this is back. This is updated March 2023. So I assume uh, that's even lower. Uh, another person. USC is a private school, so we don't know Enfield. Another that's person bad. that should be on the hot seat is Graves. <laughs> Kelly Graves, for Kelly Graves absolutely should be fired. Oregon's women's hoops. Most fireable yeah. of any of them. <laughs> I I do not like him. Yeah. I don't think men should coach women's basketball. I think it's weird, and they should uh, stop. Don't don't look up who Oregon State's basketball coaches. Besides Scott Rook, um, Scott Rook <laughs> looks like uh, weird looks as like Kelly Graves. He looks like uh, Michael Keaton. Does he? I don't think I don't I've know. Kind of gives me big Michael Keaton vibes. Someone, maybe mm-hmm. someone said this. I have no idea. Anyway, so Scott Rook, uh, he 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 does coach Oregon State women's hoops, and hey, he's kicking ass. Um, yeah, he is. So. Anyway, okay, well, uh, we listed a lot of coaches on the hot seat. The Pac-12. Um, Pac-12, here's the thing. This is why the Pac-12 has not been good is because they hang on to shitty coaches. It's like, okay, Arizona, Washington State, they have good coaches. Tommy Lloyd's maybe annoying a lot of people, but it's it's fine. Oregon, Dana Altman. I mean, Dana Altman probably should be on the hot seat, too, if we're being completely honest. Um, 
Tad Boyle, Jared Haas, Mark Matson's great. He's fine. Um, but Bob- how many coaches aren't on the hot seat? Even a little. Like how many coaches are safe right now in on the men's side? You've got Mick, Kyle Tommy Smith. Lloyd, Kyle Smith. Oh goodness, Mark Matson. Mark Matson. That's Do you think it? Oregon um, would fire? Um, uh, Oregon may never fire. I Dana think Altman. Altman is closer to this conversation than he is to the hot seat conversation. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he gets the injury excuses too. And um, Oregon that, fans really like him. Yeah. They like do. I haven't I don't think I've really ever seen Oregon fans calling for him to be fired ever. No. I think if next year is bad again, then he gets into this conversation, but I think he's still two years away from like possibly being fired. I think that sounds right. Um I think that sounds completely right to me all right well that's it uh we named i guess like 70 percent of the pac-12 <laughs> is on the hot seats so that's very funny anyway let's get the hell out of here this has been uh this has been a lot of fun but thank you all very much for tuning in thank you so much for subscribing on youtube if you have not already liking this video and for checking out our patreon at northtruckstops.com thank you to homefield for sponsoring this podcast that is greg that's grapes i'm carlos Thanks for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick it makes you choke. The crowd falls in. The coffee's kicking in my patience. So everything said I'm lonely. Than a single sex on a quiet city street. Things are an old.